Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, bartenders! Go, food needs refill! Well, welcome into this post-NFL draft, post-2020 NFL draft version of the bar. Harp on Sports, the Harp on Sports Media and Audio Network. If you haven't done so yet, like Harp on Sports on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the whole nine yards, uh, the Harp on Sports YouTube channel as well. And like, follow, share, share, follow, like the Harp on Sports podcast on Spotify. Also, Harp on Sports, the bar podcast on Apple Podcast, Buzzsprout, pretty much all over the place. So there you go. Okay, what do we have? We have NFL draft fallout. Right, a monster NFL draft. Jameis Winston finds a home, and Buccaneers, Dolphins, Jaguars. Gonna look at all three of those teams in the NFL overall. Uh, first, the NFL draft monster numbers, monster ratings, up thirty-two percent for a year ago. From a year ago, we hit hit on this, and we had talked about this that the NFL draft was going to be a monster. It was going to be a monster ratings wise. Not a lot was going on. It was very, very dull out there in the sports world. We knew it was going to be. With no, and think about what you'd normally be going up against right now if you were the NFL draft. You would be going up against Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, we may scoff at that and say, well, that's not that big of a deal. Uh, it is in a lot of the NFL markets. It is. So think about. Those teams that are off the books. The NBA playoffs, where would we be right now? NBA playoffs, getting ready. We wouldn't be quite, we'd be, we'd be through two rounds. One round. One round would be in the books. And Major League Baseball would be going on right now. So you take baseball, you take the NBA, you take the Stanley Cup playoffs off the board. That's why the ratings for the NFL draft were up 32%. 32% from where we were a year ago. So monster numbers for the NFL draft. Who did well? Who didn't do well? We won't know. We won't know. There are times that players are drafted that I'm like, okay, I didn't watch that guy play. Now I watch as much football. I watch a ton. Probably just as much as you do. Maybe a little bit more. I think draft grades are ridiculous. People do them just because they're there. Uh, I give him an A. Oh, really, huh? Yeah, I give him a B. 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 B on that, B on that. Yeah, Brady Quinn, Notre Dame, the Browns, B. Johnny Manziel, the Browns, B. Yeah, B. Good. Ryan Leaf, A. A. See, it's ridiculous. You don't You don't know. You don't know. It's just draft grades, just ridiculous. But people do them, so hey, knock yourself out. You want to give them, you go ahead. Not going to do that. I look at fits, and I look at plans. I look at what the plan was for the draft. You can look at plans and say, okay, that plan wasn't very good. But grading individual players on where they go, the graphs, it's funny because everybody will sit there and say the draft's a crapshoot, then go out and give hardcore letter grades. To a, B, C, D, E, I, yeah. You know what? I like that pick. I agree with it. So it's an A. I don't, I didn't really watch that guy, and I thought they should have drafted a different position. So that's a C. It's exactly what happens in that, in that uh, 4A, if you will. I want to say this, though. Florida, Michigan, Michigan State, and Southern Cal. The four schools to still remain at the top of having a player drafted every single year in the modern draft era. Well, what's the modern draft era? Since that bad boy went on TV over 40 years ago, the modern draft era 
Florida, Michigan, Michigan State, Southern Cal, the only four programs to have somebody drafted every single year in the modern era of the draft. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm going to look at the three teams in this state when it comes to the draft. But before I get into those individual three teams, Jameis Winston has a home. You're going to end up with the New Orleans Saints on a one-year deal. Not a bad deal. Not a bad move for Jameis Winston. Drew Brees has been hurt in each of the last few years, right? Got hurt last year, missed six games. He gets to learn under Drew Brees for a year. Not a bad little setup, right? Now, he could have gone somewhere. Think about this. He could have gone to a place where a young rookie is coming in, breathing down his neck. Jameis Winston could have done that. He could have gone to a place where, you know, if you look at a place like, I don't know, San Diego, excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers, a place like Miami, you know, they draft a quarterback, going to look around and go, okay, you get beat out, then you're on the bench all year. He gets to learn from Drew Brees for a season. Maybe learn how not to turn the ball over so much. Maybe not a bad little setup when it's all said and done. So I like I like the Jameis Winston to the Saints. Gets to learn from a Hall of Famer, maybe the most statistically gifted player that we've ever seen in the NFL in terms of passing yards, touchdowns. He's going to lead everybody when it, before it's all said and done. Tom Brady, I know, is thinking about closing in on him, but it's going to be tough. I liked it. I liked the move from Jameis Winston, and it's smart. I, I mean, going somewhere and trying to compete with a rookie of no shot. Going to New Orleans, we saw Teddy Bridgewater play four or five games last year, win them all. I know Taysom Hill was there as well. Right, we're going to see Taysom Hill do some things. But they get to keep Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill in, in that category as that slash player that gets to do multiple things, and Jameis Winston gets to back up Drew Brees. I liked it. I, I liked the move from Jameis. Now, where else could he gone? Like, look, there's other places that would have been interesting to see him, like back up Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, of course. But the likelihood of 41, 42-year-old Drew Brees missing some games this year is pretty good. So not a bad, not a bad little slide for Jameis Winston there uh, to the New Orleans Saints. Plus, Taysom Hill got two years on a deal, right? You look around and Jameis Winston figures some things out. He can either go some sign somewhere else or you can put together a monster deal. Try to stay in New Orleans or at least a four or five year deal. He's not going to get that 20 million a year that he wanted. So nonetheless, on that front, I want to look at the individual teams in the NFL, or at least these three teams in the NFL. The Saints, excuse me, the Saints. I just talked about the Saints, uh, Jameis Winston. The Dolphins, the Jaguars, the Buccaneers, the one that had the best draft of all three of those. Again, I'm not going to do draft grades. I think draft grades are ridiculous. But I look at draft plans, and there is no doubt the Miami Dolphins in this state had the best draft. They had a plan. And you see what the plan is right in front of you. Now, did they have the best draft in the league? I don't know. Time will tell on this. But I like the Dolphins' plan. I actually love the Miami Dolphins' plan. How good are they going to be? Don't know if this is going to work. Don't know. Here's what they did. All right, I'm going to go through this and look at this because I think it's important because you have a kind of a changing of the guard in the AFC East. Here's what the Dolphins did. Quarterback right out of the gate to a tongue of Viola. Doesn't have to play right away either, does he? Doesn't have to play right away. I mean, they'd like him to, but no gigantic rush. Then what did Brian Flores do? He went out and got Austin Jackson, offensive tackle, Southern Cal. All right, I've got the number five overall pick. I'm going to invest it in a quarterback that's gotten banged up a lot and Right after that, I am going to go get an offensive tackle to protect him. Boom, boom. Okay, now what? Then they come back later in the first round after moving down with the Vikings, right? And they draft, was it Noah Igbingane from Auburn? Okay, defensive back. He was a first-round draft pick. He was rated as, what, like the fourth or fifth best corner? All right, well, now in a draft, you've got the second quarterback, second-best quarterback on the board. 
On top of that, you get a starting left tackle for a decade, and you get a starting corner, three starters in the first round. Boom, boom, boom. And then the Dolphins circle back around in the second round and draft Robert Hunt, guard Louisiana. So now I've, Tua Tungabiola is my quarterback, and I come back with a tackle and a guard. The first 39 picks, they get a starting tackle and a starting guard. All gets better. Raekwon McMillan, or Raekwon McMillan, Raekwon Davis, boy, Raekwon McMillan, that would have been something. Raekwon Davis from Alabama, defensive tackle. So, boom, I, I address at least a, a little bit of a hole up front on that defensive line. Haven't really addressed that since Ndamukong Sue, right? They come back with Brandon Jones, a safety from Texas, in the third round. And then in the fourth round, they come back, is Solomon Kinley, a guard from Georgia. So, the Dolphins go, we've got a quarterback. The plan was, we've got our quarterback. What do we do now? Tackle, guard, guard. Not necessarily in that order, because there were other draft picks there as well. With their trades, if you look at the trades for the Dolphins, and look at how they moved around, and who they got, and where they got, and, and, and what positions they addressed, their picks, the Dolphins' picks, as in their actual picks, Tua Tunga Viola, Robert Hunt, okay, um, <laughs> this is a, a Brandon Jones. And then through the Texans trade, which was the, the Tunsil trade, the Laramie Tunsil trade, they get Solomon Kinley. So they had a plan. The plan was get the quarterback, protect him. I love what the Dolphins did. Absolutely loved the plan in Miami. Will it work? I don't know for a year, two, three years away from it, seeing what happens. But it was a plan, and it was executed to perfection. It was. Now, now, <laughs> I'll get to the Jaguars in a second, what the Buccaneers did. Because the Buc- looking at, at what Tampa had to do, you know, they fourth-round draft pick for Gronkowski – they have Tom Brady. We know they've got two solid wide receivers. We know they've got a serviceable running back. The question is, where where, where do the Buccaneers go when it comes to this? Are, are they drafting for the future or are they drafting for right now? Do you draft a guy that's a fit right now, boom? Or are you looking at it from a perspective, okay, we've got what we have here now, but let's look in the future here for an eventual replacement for what we have when Tom Brady and Gronkowski called a career. Looking at it from the Buccaneers' perspective, again, you still have the Saints, the Panthers, who are in a full rebuild as well. Still the Saints' division for one more year, right? Still the Saints' division for one more year. Uh, Falcons, yeah. What do they do? Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle Iowa, trade up to get him. Well, now at this point, I've got my tackle that's going to protect Tom Brady. Big, burly, run the ball, Iowa kid, boom. Tristan Wirfs to protect Tom Brady, point one. Then they come back in the second round. Antoine Winfield, safety, Minnesota. Okay. Going to be in a division with Matt Ryan. Going to be throwing the ball a lot. Okay. Got to take somebody to take away the middle of the field. Then they come back. Keyshawn Vaughn, running back, Vanderbilt. And Tyler Johnson, wide receiver, Minnesota. So they give Tom Brady even more weapons offensively. Protect Tom Brady. We have a hole at safety. Patch it. Running back, receiver. More depth for Tom. Because what do we see with the Patriots over those years? I mean, pick a running back. Pick a year. 
it was just another running back after another running back after another running back. It's like, oh my gosh, who are these guys? The one year the Patriots won the Super Bowl, they had three different running backs, three different leading rushers in each of their wins. Patriots just, that's how it worked. And, and Tom Brady, at least the plan offensively, that's how they structured things. Now, will Brian Flores in, in, in Miami structure things that way? Well, he's a defensive guy. Here in Tampa, what, what will Bruce Arians do? Whatever Tom wants offensively. Because it's important that you get two Belichick disciples, right? You look around the whole league and what Matt Patricia is doing in Detroit. Any, any Belichick disciples struggled a little bit, a little bit, right? To have gigantic, they haven't had a lot of gigantic success. So the Buccaneers, let's go. Protect, surround things around Tom Brady. And the Jaguars, look, I thought it was so funny watching the, the, the 180 that people have done on Tom Coughlin in Jacksonville is just downright amazing to me. Tom, not a likable dude. He wasn't. Tom, not a likable guy. Tom's rough around the edges. Tom, Tom's old school, man. Tom's Bobby Knight. You know, <laughs> Tom is a tough cookie. He is. Everybody licked his boot for four years. They started to lose. They needed a scapegoat, so that scapegoat was Tom. I got such a kick out of everything that I saw out of the Jaguars when it comes to the draft. Quality character guys now. We drafted quality character guys. Well, Tom was the decision maker the last three years. I'm trying to think of the problem people on this roster that Tom drafted. Leonard Fournette. Can you consider him a problem child? Okay. Other than Leonard Fournette, Tom didn't draft Jalen Ramsey. Tom didn't draft Unique Ngakwe. Some of the free agents that came in here and caused problems, uh, they were either here before Tom, and Tom wasn't part of that. So, oh, character, guys. Character, it's a, it's a different plan. It's a different plan. Somehow laying this at the feet of Tom Coughlin, like Tom Coughlin was out there going, huh, let's see, uh, do we have anybody with some questionable background, maybe some arrests? Bring some problem children. Only character, guys. Only character, guys. Am I to take it then over the last five years, six years, you weren't drafting character guys then? That was something that was put on the back burner? Now, what the Jaguars did, I, I, I get what they did. I told you, you're going to have to look at this. Last time we did the bar live from the office in Gainesville. Told you, you had to look at this and had to pay attention to see whether or not they were surrounding. Gar- if this was a Gardner Minshew draft, Gardner Minshew's our guy. Okay, well, what are you going to do for Gardner Minshew then? It was a loaded draft when it came to tackles, offensive linemen, loaded, loaded draft when it came to wide receivers. Would we have like seven offensive linemen go in the first round? Would we have like five wide receivers go in the first round? It was a loaded draft. Jags had two picks, had their choice. They could have the second best offensive lineman. And when they picked at 20, what? They was the best receiver still? They could have the second best offensive lineman was still on the board and the second best wide receiver, maybe the best wide receiver. Harry Ruggs, the third from Alabama, went first. Some people had him as the fourth or fifth best receiver. Raiders love his speed. I love him. Thought he was the best receiver in college football. Andrew Thomas from Georgia. He's off. Harry Ruggs is off. Other than that, you had maybe the best tackle at nine sitting there and the best receiver, second best receiver at 20 sitting there. And what did the Jaguars do? They went defense, defense, which is fine, which is fine. If you're building for the future and you're rebuilding, it's fine to go that path. But to sit here, and talk about how Gardner Minshew, they, they just chose not to give guard to, to upgrade the offense with their high-profile picks. They just chose not to do it. 
They chose to rebuild the defense instead. Now, Leonard Fournette's got one year left. You know, Andrew Norwell, as, as the offensive guard, he's got one year left. Cam Robinson, left tackle, one year left. A.J. Can, right guard, he got one year left on his contract. Juwan Taylor, you know, Brandon Leonard at center, Juwan Taylor at right tackle. Juwan's going to be there for the next three years. But after that, you may have one returning offensive lineman for the Jaguars next year. One. So what did they do? What did they do? Uh, C.J. Henderson, Florida. I like C.J. Henderson. The mold of a lockdown corner, good pick. If you're going to rebuild your defense, that's not a bad pick. Caleb on chasing uh, linebacker LSU. Okay. Well, guess what? They, they kind of never really replaced Paul Puzlesny. Haven't tried. I mean, Telvin Smith, you know, weak side linebacker and you know, Telvin has his issues. He goes Harry Houdini on everybody. And you know, you replace linebacker and you replace corner. Two good guys, two guys from the SEC. Tons of talent. Great. And then what? LaVisca Chenault, wide receiver, Colorado. So in the second round, they come and get a wide receiver. That's a replacement pick for the future. Why? D.D. Westbrook's not going to be back after this year. D.J. Chark's going to be back at the end of this. He'll be back. He'll be in year what? He'll be in year... Well, geez. D.J. Chark will be in year four next year? Hard to believe, isn't it? When this happens. But that's what that pick is. Chenault from Colorado is, 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 you know, D.D. Westbrook's going to go. Conley's going to go eventually. You need another receiver to slide in. Then what? Devon Hamilton, defensive tackle, Ohio State in the third round. Okay, well, they needed help up front. I get it. Ben Barch, offensive tackle, St. John's. Never saw him play. Everybody rants and raves about him. Looks like he's a good football player. He does. But when you decide that you're going to address your offensive line in the fourth round, that's a project. It's not somebody right away. And then they come back with Josiah Scott, defensive back, Michigan State. Shaquille Quarterman, linebacker, Miami. Um, Daniel Thomas, safety, Auburn, through the first five rounds. And then Jake Lutton, uh, quarterback from Oregon State, down there, what, in the sixth round? That's just somebody to come in and be there and, and push Josh Dobbs a little bit. I, that's it. Wow. Defense, defense, wide receiver. Defensive line, projected on the offensive line, defensive back linebacker. Gardner Minshew didn't get much. He didn't. Gardner Minshew didn't get much. And don't tell me this offense is loaded. Now, last year they chose to. Jeff, the running back out of Temple. They chose nothing at the receiver position. They chose what? Juwan Taylor on the offensive line. So last year they went defensive line, offensive line. This year they go defensive back, linebacker, defensive tackle. The year before, they went Taven Bryant. They went defensive tackle, wide receiver. Forgot about Taven Bryant until just now. So you look around at this, it's like, wow. Okay. It's going to be tough for Gardner Minshew to succeed. He didn't get much. Is he going to put on enough of a clinic and enough of a show? Okay, we got to get him some weapons next year then. Didn't add much offensive line-wise. Now you can say in free agency, they did go out. Why well, they get Tyler Eifert. They went, they went out and did some things. Free agency to help out a little bit. A little bit. But not a lot of help there. So there you go. The big three. When it comes to the Jaguars, the Buccaneers, and the Dolphins. Uh, Really quick, 63 of the draft picks were from the Southeastern Conference. That's two full rounds. So two full rounds of the seven rounds were SEC football players. This debate happens every single year. What's the best conference? You know, the SEC may not win the national championship, but they have the best players. 
And it's true again. When's the last time the SEC didn't have the most players drafted? Best players. Just do. And that's fine. The SEC has the best conference when it comes to success. Now, I don't measure it by bowl wins. It's ridiculous. You could be the third best SEC team and playing the fifth best team from another conference. How does that make any sense? But the SEC, you know, you can go back through and you want to count bowl wins. It's not a good barometer. Look at the success overall. Look at all the players that are drafted. 63 of the seven rounds. That's two full rounds belong in the Southeastern Conference. Would they have twice as many as any other conference? Just the facts. Just the facts. Harp on Sports, the bar. You can check us out at Harp on Sports, Twitter at Harp on Sports, Instagram, Harp on Sports, of course, live here on Facebook Live. Uh, the podcast up and loaded midweek and Sunday. Uh, coming up here as I get ready to move next week, it'll be a Wednesday or Tuesday, Saturday, a little setup as I try to jockey some things around here a little bit, but fresh audio, fresh content twice a week here. Uh, we'll up the ante. We'll do it a little bit more than twice a week. Once I get settled in a little bit more going back and forth, Jacksonville, Gainesville kind of takes its toll a little bit. So, Hey, nonetheless, provide the content for you. Harp on sports, the bar, Spotify, harp on sports, the bar on Apple podcast, buzzsprout. You can check it out on all of those platforms. And there we go. Pour one out in the bar. Pour one out. Middle of the week this week. You can check it out. In the meantime, follow Harp on Sports Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's a good little channel. And I will talk to you soon. This has been Harp on Sports, the bar on the Harp on Sports Media and Audio Network.